We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, welcome back in. We are with you until midnight. What were your biggest takeaways from a game to win for your Celtics tonight? 617-779-7937 is the number. Obviously a massive response for this team. Grant Williams himself had 21 points off the bench for the Celtics. The entire Bucks bench scored 20. So Grant Williams on his own outscored this Bucks bench. And I think another thing that you got to look at in this series going forward is just how often they're going to play Grant Williams with the starters outside of Robert Williams because I think he does really unlock a lot of the things they want to do offensively because it allows them to play, especially when they had Robert Williams and Marcus Smart on the court. Both guys are unbelievable players. Of course, Smart won the Defensive Player of the Year, and we all know that Robert Williams was a candidate for the Defensive Player of the Year. But one of the things that that group together does is the offense, the spacing's not there. When you play Grant Williams... Out there, it gives you this five-out lineup. But the Celtics, and now look, they started off hot with Jalen Brown to begin with. But when you have just one non-shooter out there with those guys, when you put Grant Williams in that group where it's Grant and it's Al Horford and it's Tatum and it's Brown and it's Derek White, when you have that group together, it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to be able to create open offense with those situations. You don't, you look at it from the perspective of when Robert Williams is in there, he's got to constantly be screening to open up stuff. But when you look at it from the other criteria here in terms of what Grant Williams unlocks offensively and he's going to bring that level of defense, I got to imagine the minutes are only going to go up for Grant Williams. Tonight he played 35. So if you look at it, he played more Williams, uh, more minutes rather than Robert Williams, Derek, and Derek White, who both started this game. So Grant Williams, obviously, a major factor going forward in the series. He clearly proved it tonight. That's the biggest takeaway is that Grant Williams, as great as Jalen played, and you're obviously going to need that going forward, the biggest takeaway is you have another guy in Grant Williams that you can put on Giannis Antetokounmpo. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Paul in Plymouth. What's up, Paul? Hey, what's up, man? Hey, great hey. win tonight. Let's come on, let's celebrate. You know? I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Awesome. What a great win. So the thing that kills me about the it's just I mean, they're you know, you're up by twenty points and just you know, and I don't know if they can look I don't know how and that, that's why I'm calling to ask you about the shot clock. You know, it's just can they, do, do the players, when they're coming down the court, do they have to look at the shot clock? I'm like, you're up by 20 points. Kill the clock, you know? Like, wait till, like, there's five seconds left to take a shot. Yeah, I wouldn't do know? that, Paul. And um, it just... I wouldn't really do that, Paul. I mean, what's the point the of doing that? Uh, you, yeah, take an open shot. You can't play in the third quarter like the game's over. We saw the Bucks make a thunderous no, I, comeback. I, yeah. You got to play the yeah, you got to play yeah, offense was, the same way you played in the first half. And I felt like that's one thing if you're going to critique the Celtics tonight, they got away from what got them the lead and they got to be better offensively to open up this game in Milwaukee because you know game 3 Saturday evening if you will 4 o'clock it would be 
in terms of the time that they're going to play that game in, I guess, 3 o'clock local time, right, because that's central time. But they're going to come out flying. Their home crowd is going to be going absolutely nuts in this game on Saturday. The offense is going to be better. they got to be more efficient like they were in the first half tonight. We cannot see the team we saw in the second half. Okay, I just, what a great win tonight. I mean, we needed yeah. that win so bad tonight. <laughs> oh, yeah, Thanks I mean, Paul. Time, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. If you lose that game tonight, it's over. I mean, you go down 0-2 against the reigning defending champs, they're going to step on your neck. The series is completely over. So, yes, they needed this, and the first quarter they needed. You couldn't really squeeze this one out. You couldn't make this a tight game. You couldn't make this a battle that went down to the wire, so to speak. This had to be a game that you just came out firing, and you sent a message early in this game. And I felt like the biggest message was sent from Jalen Brown, where he just decided he was going to go off in the first half, and then Grant Williams came around. And this is a huge, massive development for the series going forward. This hour, by the way, brought to you by Eagle Bank. 617-779-7937, the number. Oh, let's get to the legend, David in Florida. David, how are you, my friend? Great, thanks. First of all, why is it why are they why is it all the way till Saturday? Why is it such a long break between games two and three? Yeah, you know, it's a great How question. There's no it, game scheduled Thursday a, night. Yeah, uh, well, it's a great question, David. It's NBA thing. I don't know why the hell they do that. I, I mean, I, I get they want to spread out the series and all that, but it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, think about it: the Bruins <laughs> and the Carolina Hurricanes are going to play three games by the time yeah. before the Celtics and the Bucks play three, and <laughs> the Bruins started after the Celtics. Ridiculous. It's unfair for the players, too, on both teams. Well, actually, I think it does kind of help the players, to be honest with you. I think Jalen's got to rest up that hamstring, and maybe that means that Smart can play. You know what I'm saying? So I think it could actually work in the Celtics' favor. Jalen continues to get work on that hamstring in between games, and hopefully they get Smart back with that contusion in his quad. Yeah. Yeah, for injuries, okay, it gives him time to heal. But, I mean, it takes away from the momentum of the series. But with tonight's game... I mean, defensively, they they did a much better job. But offensively, I got to tell you, I, I mean, I disagree. They're not going to shoot fifty percent from the three point line every every day. You and disagree with who? When did I say that? When did I? What are you talking no, about, David? I told I just I, I, I just said that the offense was crappy in the second half. It needs to be more like the offense that we saw in the first half. In the first half of the game, David, those threes they are taking are open threes. They need to take those threes. They're generating wide open threes in the corner. Those are good shots. No. Just like I complain in baseball that it's more to the game than home runs, three-pointers, and that's what Van Gundy and and anybody, including you, knows that they have to diversify their attack. They t- I mean, for example, there was one point in late in the fourth quarter. There was like six minutes left. I think they had like a 12-14 point lead. They had the ball, and they missed the shot. Tatum got the rebound and kicks it out to Jalen, and he, and he tosses up a three immediately. Like the guy just before me was saying, they have to demonstrate some composure, some intelligence, and diversify their attack. I'm not saying you slow it down to 1950s basketball, but you don't have to shoot the ball the first time you touch it either. And they have to demonstrate some more intelligence. You cannot rely, you you cannot have 50% of your offense behind the arc. You just can't do it. You you don't get the rebounds if you miss the shot. You, You just, you can't do it. And it's just ridiculous. And they have to diversify their attack, and they have to play with more intelligence. Although they're not, not going to win this series, Milwaukee is a smarter opponent than the Nets were, 
and they have to they have to play to the same level as as Milwaukee if they want to advance. So you want That's, them to stop taking threes? I mean, David, the threes they get in the corner; those no, are good I'm threes. Not, did I say stop taking threes? They, they, Something they, similar they to that. Threes? No, they have to take fewer, and they have to use them more intelligently. Use it as a shot fake, then lift them and get to the hoop. Use it as a shot fake and draw a foul. Uh, I mean, come on! I mean, come on! I mean, this is just basic basketball. I mean. Fifty <laughs> percent of your offense is from behind the three. Van Gundy was preaching that all night. Yeah, long. I agree with you. In the I second mean, half of the game, I felt like David. What they were doing is because in the first half they were able to get into the lane, and when those trees were there, they kicked it out. They got open threes. But I would agree with you in the sense that in the second half of the game, there were times where the Celtics would get into the lane, and the double team wasn't coming, or one of the trees wasn't in there, and they were just because passing. They don't know what to do. I mean, all Milwaukee needs to do is no help. This Milwaukee, the adjustment they should make is not to help and force Boston to get to the hoop. Take a, stay with your man. Don't help when they penetrate. And then see what happens. Because if you don't help, then you're going to contest the three. It's just basic basketball. Just uh, That's all Milwaukee needs to do is just play straight up, no help, and force Boston to drive. Well, if they and play no help, they're going to be screwed because then Tatum is going to fly past, past his man to get open opportunities. Like, they have to help. That's well, then like let them do that. You do realize that their whole defensive scheme is predicated on help. Milwaukee's defense. Yes, that's what I'm saying. But that's what I'm saying. And, and, when, and when you help on the, dry, on the penetration, that's when you leave the perimeter threes wide open. So Milwaukee's adjustment should just be not to help and then force Boston to take contested threes. Like they had to in game one. But hold on, David. You're so conf- you're telling me you don't want the Celtics to take threes. So why would Milwaukee contest their threes? You're telling me on one side you want the Celtics to take less threes, but you think that the Bucks should contest threes. But even, yeah, even right, hey, David, hold on. Them, like, I, 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 David, hold on. Hold, David, hold on. I don't want to talk about you. Yeah. I don't want to talk about threes anymore. What is your Red Sox point? My Red Sox point. I don't, why is Frenchie playing first base? This isn't this isn't middle school baseball where you're developing <laughs> talent and everybody has to play an equal amount of games. You want okay. Dahl back there? Why is, uh, I want. No, you don't, David. Come on, that's the answer. That you know you don't want Dahl back. He's better than Frenchie. I'm told, uh, I mean, he's better than Frenchie. You know, you know, Frenchie had two Frenchie. hits tonight, right? Yeah, but all so okay. Well, you know, that's my point. He always emphasizes offense over defense. Okay? David, they gave Dahlbeck. Well, hold on. You realize that back is an awful defensive first baseman. Actually, if you look at the statistics last year. Hold on. David, hold on. You talk, now I talk. Last year, he had minus seven defensive runs saved. The worst of any first baseman in the sport. So Bobby Dahlbeck is not a good defensive first baseman. So don't think like having You're Bobby right. Dahlbeck. I mean, he's not a gold glove, but he's better than Frenchie. Yes. Okay, okay. But his bat is the worst in the sport at first base right now. Why doesn't Frenchie deserve an opportunity over that guy? Because defense over offense. All right. Yeah, but Dahlbeck is a Dahlbeck is the worst today. defensive first baseman in the sport last year, David. That was last year. He's still you know, he bad. Made a nice play today on the uh, on the Bogart. Bogart's made a great play in the hole, and then he in another throw. He made it. You're right. He's not a gold glove because that, that that's just more emblematic of their philosophy. They don't they don't think you need defense. 
They believe he can own a out. You know, who's going to hit more? Because they hit more home runs than the Celtics with more threes. It's the same thing. They believe in this 21st century. The Red Sox don't century. hit a lot of home runs. What are you talking about? They came in and said today we're going to lowest home run totals in the league. In. You're huh? right. They're, they're not. But that's their philosophy. They believe you can out hit everybody. David, what's your philosophy on life? What's my philosophy on life? Yeah. A little balance of everything, all right? A nice. little balance. You so know? a little balance. Okay. So you need a little offense and a little defense. Yeah, but they have no balance. Okay. They have no balance. All right, David. Hey, before I let you go, I want to thank you You for, I think this is the second consecutive time I've talked to you. You weren't eating. Thank you. You're welcome. Peace right. be with you. Right. <laughs> oh, what happened to 1 a.m.? What happened to 1 a.m.? Oh, yeah, I forgot. I should ask. I should ask again now that yeah. we have home games. Yeah, I'll try to get that worked out for you. Let me get talk to on. the boss. Send the boss an email, okay? Yeah. Will you send the, bo- send the boss an email, all right? I don't know the email. What's the email address? All right, I'll give it to you later, okay? All right. All right, have a good night, David. His line's open if you want to grab it. It's 617-779-7937. He's a character, man. I, I don't. I really don't understand his point about threes. He doesn't want the Celtics to take threes, but then he thinks the Bucks should contest their threes. So if the Bucks contest their threes, they're going to take less threes. I don't, I don't really understand the logic behind any of that. All right, so a lot to get into. What were your biggest takeaways from this game tonight? My two biggest takeaways. Jalen Brown looked like Jalen again, and Grant Williams has proven after tonight that he can defend Giannis Antetokounmpo. I was slightly worried after Grant's performance in game one against Giannis where Giannis kind of had his way. He was four for eight. He had 10 points. It felt like he was getting downhill. He was getting whatever he wanted as it pertains to getting into the lane and making easy work of Grant Williams. Tonight, that changed. So that's on the table at 617-779-7937, the number. Plus, a couple of adjustments I think we'll see going on in the series. We'll get to that next here on EI. Crash and Keith, weekdays 10 to 2. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. All right, here's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Well, the C's beat the Bucks 109-86 tonight. Big night for Jalen Brown. 25 points in the first half. He finishes with 30, so just four in the second half. But he only missed one shot in the entire first half of this game. Meanwhile, Jason Tatum goes for 29 points. He dished out eight assists as well. Big second half for Jalen and, or for, excuse me, for Jason Tatum. Grant Williams, the story in, in this game, though, 21 points, played outstanding defense on Giannis Antetokounmpo. He was six of nine from three-point territory. As for Giannis, he does finish with 28 points, but just 11 of 27 from the field, one of four from three-point territory, five of nine from the line. I did like that the Garden crowd was giving it, it to him as well. Drew Holiday had a good first game, not so much in the second. He was 7 of 20 from the floor for 19 points, just 1 of 6 from three-point territory. Marcus Smart missed this game with that quad contusion that gave him trouble in game one. We'll see if he's able to go. Good news is game three isn't until Saturday evening in Milwaukee. The Bees and the Hurricanes play game two Wednesday night. That in Rowley, of course, the Bees looking to level things off after a 5-1 loss on Monday night in game one of the series. And a much-needed win for the Sox tonight. They improved to 10-14 and 14 after a 4-0 win over the Angels. Another great pitching performance from Michael Waka. Five and two-thirds, does not give up an earned run. He only threw 60 pitches in this game. A lot of people complaining that they pulled Waka early. So he improves to 3-0 and on the season. How about this? The Red Sox have now won 10 games on the season. Waka started in four of them. Uh, not to mention this with Waka. He's now pitching, I don't know why I said that, not to mention, I'm going to mention it, 26 innings, he's given up four earned runs. The guy's been absolutely tremendous. 
Rafael Devers and J.D. Martinez each went deep in this game. I know David's mad about that, that they hit home runs. The Sox and the Angels play the second of their three-game set Wednesday night at Fenway. 7-10, first pitch across the Shaws and Star Market, WEI Red Sox Network. Tune into the Visit Massachusetts pregame show tomorrow at 6-10 with Mutt. It is sponsored by the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism. Make Massachusetts yours. Start your adventure at visitma.com. Garrett Whitlock will get the start in that one. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. He may, when he was in here just a few minutes ago, called you a mini Al and said, you guys did try to go one-on-one with Giannis a little more defensively. And your number was called often in that situation. How much pride did you take in that? I view it as guarding him on the island, you know, where it's just you and him, you have to do your job. And for us, that was kind of how we kind of viewed it for this game to see how, how it will go. And he started being a lot more aggressive in the second half and getting downhill and creating for himself. But it's just one of those things that you have to kind of hunker down and, and trust in the work that you've done and do your best to contain one of the best players in the world. All right, that was Grant Williams after the game tonight. Man, I love that guy. Unbelievable performance by Grant tonight. And he really does, and this is a quality. I'm saying this as a compliment. He is an irritant. He pisses people off. He really gets under people's skin, which is a great thing to have in a defensive player, if you will. We've seen it throughout the history of this league. Ordinarily, the great defensive players, with like the exception of Kawhi Leonard, and Kawhi's a great offensive player too, but the guys that are like known for their defense, they tend to piece, uh, piss people off. You think about Ron Artest, he would get underneath people's skin. You think about Dennis Rodman, he would piss you off. Even a guy like modern day, not nearly on the level of those guys. But Patrick Beverly pisses everybody off. That's sort of what Grant Williams has become. He was pissing off Giannis tonight. He's constantly talking to Giannis. He did the same thing with Kevin Durant. So I love the fact that he is irritating people. And it's a big development that they now have two guys they can throw on Giannis. Because after game one, it felt like at that particular point in time that you had only established one guy you could use on Giannis, that guy being Al Horford. That was it, because Grant Williams did not hold up against Giannis in game one. Now, after the game tonight, you feel much better about, okay, you have not only Al Horford that you know can hold up on Giannis Antetokounmpo, but Grant Williams can do the job as well. And the big thing about that is you don't have to use Al on Giannis for the entirety of the series because even if you look back to game one at times you could see that Ime Adoka was almost matching Al Horford's minutes with Giannis Antetokounmpo and the problem there is this if it's going to be a long drawn out series and it's 1-1 heading back to their home court in Milwaukee of course the thing that you got to look at is well the body blows with Al right because Giannis is still at his athletic apex his athletic peak if you will and he's the guy that's initiating the contact And that is going to wear you down as the series goes on. So the fact that now you have Grant Williams, another guy that can pick that up, massive going forward. 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. What were your biggest takeaways from the game tonight? Let's get to Chris. He's in the limo. Chris, what's up, man? Double B's. Good to talk to you again. 
You too, my friend. Uh, unicorns and rainbows and everything. Double Boston win tonight. <laughs> I absolutely agree with you. Al Horford, you know, is is good enough, but he's old. And if he starts getting banged up, we got Grant Williams to step up and, and bang him around. And you're absolutely right. right? We've watched Marcus Smart get people ticked off, you know, with his tenacious defense. So I'm loving Grant Williams a lot, just like you. I mean, very, very impressive tonight. All right, Chris, I appreciate the call, my friend. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. That is really the big thing from tonight's game. And the other thing is this. You realize the Bucks were 3 of 18 from three-point territory. 3 of 18. Now, the Celtics shot 20 of 43 from three-point territory. So, clearly, it was just a clinic in terms of their three-point shooting compared to where they were last time. And I do really believe that a lot of that has to do with the shots they were generating in the first half. They were generating much better three-point opportunities in the first half of this game than the shots they were taking in game one. And I do truly believe in this whole idea of it was a little bit of an adjustment with the Celtics where you have this series against the Brooklyn Nets, who that team, let's face it, they were soft. And there wasn't much resistance defensively, right? Think about that team. How many good defensive players did they really have? Maybe Kevin Durant, but Kevin Durant was so worn out on the other end of the court because Jason Tatum was hounding him for the entirety of that series. There was nobody that you were thinking from a defensive standpoint was going to supply any sort of resistance whatsoever as it pertains to the Brooklyn Nets. And when you play a team like Milwaukee, it's a different type of squad where they are big. Lopez is huge. Giannis is big. So it felt like it was almost jarring for the Celtics in game one where they would get into the lane and those guys were swarming. And the big adjustment in game one, or game two rather, if you juxtapose that with game one of the series, was the playmaking of Jason Tatum and to a lesser extent, Jalen Brown. Because what was happening in game one of this series is Jason Tatum, who was so great, and Jalen Brown, who was so great in game, in the, excuse me, the Nets series, where Jalen was great on drives. He was just getting downhill, getting whatever he wanted at the basket. Well, what we found out is that's not this series. And if it is this series, there has to be an adjustment to the drive, right? So when Jalen was driving in, in the net series, it was driving to score, right? When Jason Tatum was driving, and it was a little bit of both, but what you have to realize in this series is it's going to be much more difficult to score at the rim. It's going to be much more difficult to score in that restricted area when you look at it in terms of the Bucks compared to the Nets. Because the reality with the Nets is this. It's not like they don't they don't they have bad rim protection. They don't have any. I mean, you get past your initial defender when you're playing the Nets, you're at the basket. I mean, it's easy for you to score, right? When you look at this Bucks team, okay, Lopez is waiting for you. Okay, Giannis may come out of the corner and help as a defender, right? So I fe- really feel like the Celtics needed a game to kind of adjust to what the Bucks were doing defensively. They need to see it up close and personally. And what we saw, the big adjustment was this. When Tatum got his feet in the paint, The read was made. He knew where the ball was supposed to go. He knew the ball was going to the corner. And even after a while in this game where the Bucs were picking up on what Tatum, et cetera, they were doing, they were kicking it to the corner. Grant Williams is burying open threes. Pritchard is burying open threes. Well, then they were less willing to help. And what was happening then is then the ball just started flying around and they were putting the Bucs in the blender. But that sort of went away in the second half. That was, if I was going to come away with one thing that I was disappointed in, in this game from the Celtics, it was the fact that in the second half of this game, 
we did not see that same level of execution offensively because they were surgical in the first half. Now, give the Bucks credit. They made adjustments and all that. But the Celtics in the second half, it got way too staticky for me. Let's get to Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, what's up? What's going on, man? Hey, so um, I was there at the gate tonight. Grant Williams oh, nice. was the MVP tonight. Oh, Matt, hold on. Can I ask you one thing before you go on to your point? So what was yeah, going, on going on when Giannis was at the free throw line? Was everybody counting down? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I every love time. that. We had the 10. We, we had the 10 or 11 every time. Every time. Yeah, he shot good. it at 10 or 11 every single time. Yeah, um, then he started doing that thing where he'd throw it back to the official. Yeah, yeah. It was it was very uh, – they, they love Giannis. They'll do whatever – you know, he'll get his free throws off every time. I'm with you. Hey, what was your point on Grant, though, by the way? So, Grant, Grant was the MVP. He played – he was hard-nosed tonight. He was unbelievable tonight. He made shots. He made some shots. Um, he was a spark plug we needed. Was smart out. He played great defense. Jalen Brown in the first half, dominant, twenty-five points. Are you kidding me? Right there, set the tone for the whole game. Him and Grant, unbelievable. Celtics four to one. Ooh, so you got a revert. You got like a, a reverse sweep almost. Like they take the game one and then they yeah. take four. In a row. Okay, gentlemen sweep. Gentlemen sweep. <laughs> sweep. All right, I like it. Hey, Matt, appreciate the call, my friend. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. I just feel like what we're in for with this series is going to be a grinded-out battle. Like, this is going to be one in the mud. This is not going to be a pretty series. Like, I feel like what we saw in the first half of this game. Now, it's a blueprint for how the Celtics can generate better shots, but I feel like that's sort of going to be the outlier in the series where the Celtics got everything they want. They hit every shot. I don't think we're going to see that very often in the series where t- the Celtics are just getting whatever they want offensively. And Jalen Brown missed one shot in the entire first half. I do feel like you're going to have to win this series in the mud. That's why I do believe the bigger development out of the two things I said, my biggest two takeaways, Jalen looking like Jalen again, and then secondarily, Grant Williams showing that he can actually defend Giannis Antetokounmpo and Al doesn't have to do it for the entirety of a game. That, to me, is the bigger development, that you now have a secondary defender that you can put on Giannis Antetokounmpo. And the big thing about that is this. They were not overhelping like they were in game one. And I felt like, look, Marcus Smart is the defensive player of the year. He had a horrendous defensive game in game one. Horrible. He kept helping off guys in the corner. He's helping off Connaughton. He's helping off Grayson Allen once Giannis makes his initial move. Like, he has got to be better in terms of picking when he's going to double off his initial, the guy that he is defending. He cannot just jump out and do that because Giannis is good enough to make all those reads and hit wide-open three-point shooters. That's what the Bucks want to do. When Giannis gets doubled, he's going to kick it right out to guys, and he trusts that his teammates are going to hit open threes. So Marcus Smart was doing that. He was doubling Giannis when Giannis could see it in front of him. If you're going to do that, you got to at least surprise the guy, and you got to understand the guy that you're covering. So I felt like Marcus Smart got way too into helping off Giannis or helping to help on Giannis and leave his defender wide open for a shot. That's something they didn't do nearly as much tonight because they felt confident with both Al and Grant Williams covering him one-on-one. Now, there are going to be times in the series where the guy just takes over. I mean, we saw it tonight. Giannis basically lived in the paint. I mean, that's where the most of his damage was done. Think about this. Giannis scored nine or nine of ten. Giannis uh, nine of Giannis's ten made shots were in the restricted area. Giannis hit two shots outside of the restricted area tonight. That's it. 
once he gets sort of into his moves in the paint, it's over because he can spin at the left elbow and one step he's at the rim. So it's about the whole idea of building this wall and preventing him from getting to the restricted area. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to John. Hey, John. What's up, Brian? John A., how you doing? First time I talked to you. How are doing well? Just wanted to say real quick, I've been a huge uh, Jalen Brown fan. I remember the 16 draft party at the Garden. Every fan wanted Chris Dunn. Imagine. <laughs> I and know. Jalen Brown, and I said, and going into it, I said, we need an athletic wing player that can be a scoring player. And everybody booed. I said, I was so excited for Jalen Brown. You know, I digress. Tonight, Jalen Brown stepped out into his own spotlight. Yes, he's a star player, but he's always been behind uh, Jason Tatum. Tonight, he says, you know, I'm a star player, but I'm not just Jalen Brown's sidekick. I'm a star player in my own right. And that was a big thing for him to initiate to the whole league. And that was a big deal for me. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, but John, I don't, I don't think this is like something where, J- well, maybe Jalen was pissed off that he didn't make the All Star game. But I mean, you can't. I mean, it's tough to argue against it just because of the fact that the Celtics were not great prior to the All Star break, and he had missed a bunch of time. Right. But I don't think there's like a lack of respect for Jalen around the league, and he needs to prove people wrong. But I'm just like, you know, he, he kind of falls in Jason Tatum's stardom. He's that, he's that, he's that Robin to that Batman. And it's like, you know what? In his own right, he could be a star player on any given team, and he just showed how valuable he is to this team. And we love to have him on our team. He's a great player. Yeah, so, I'm, with, I'm with you on that. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on that, John. And I appreciate the phone call. I did think that that was, and his line's open if you want to grab it at six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. I feel like one of the big developments this year with this team was just the fact that. There was this whole narrative going around, which I always felt like was wrong to begin with. This whole idea of, well, can Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum play together, right? It's just like, it felt like this is what people were doing throughout the season, and the Celtics are not playing well, so this conversation was going to come back up. And one of the things I always felt like is the two things you want in this league, or the one thing you really want in this league, the biggest commodity is you want to get wings that are two-way players. Think about the best players in the league. LeBron was running the league for, what, 10 years, and he was, at that time, a great perimeter defender now obviously not the same anymore his defense has really dipped but a great offensive player as well Kawhi Leonard wins a championship great two-way wing you think about a guy like Kawhi Leonard great two-way player or I said Kawhi Leonard Kevin Durant for most of his career a good two-way player now Jason Tatum just kind of stole his mantle if you will but those are the type of guys that win in the modern day NBA and I felt like all right they can find a way to make this work and (laughs) Clearly, they did. I mean, it's helped them become one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. I do understand John's point about Jalen Brown sort of being underrated because Tatum had this sort of unbelievable breakout season where he took all the necessary steps that we needed to see him take, right? Like, his defense has been good throughout his career, but he took his defense to another level, and I really felt like he needed that matchup against Kevin Durant to kind of send a message to the rest of the league. Like, okay, I'm going to be the best wing in the league going forward. So his defense got better. The biggest thing with Tatum throughout this season was just the playmaking got significantly better as the season went on. Really, the second half of the season, he turned into an outstanding playmaker. He was a great playmaker in that series against the Nets. And, I mean, you just look at it tonight. He was making all the right reads. After I felt he played poorly in game one as it pertains to making the correct reads, tonight he comes out, he finishes with 29 points, but he also dishes out eight assists. 
And I feel like that is something that we did not see with Tatum prior to this year. There's a couple of passes that he has now that he didn't have in his bag of tricks, if you will, prior to the season, where one of them is he'll get a high screen from whether it be Al or Robert Williams. He'll go to his right, and immediately, like right when he gets to the elbow, he'll make that one-handed pass to the other side of the court where, I don't want to say in the corner, but sort of in the above-the-three area, not at center court, but in the above-the-three area, on that left wing is the best way to phrase it. In the left wing, Tatum will make that pass with his right arm, and he'll just throw an absolute rocket to the guy that's sitting there ready for an open jump shot. That is not a pass that Tatum had in his arsenal prior to this season. So he's done a much better job with that. And after playing poorly and not making the correct reads in Game 1, he made those reads in Game 2. So I felt like Tatum, the playmaking had to get better. He had to get to the free throw line more. He did that this year. The playmaking obviously got better, and he continued to improve as a defender. Those are the three things that we needed to see with Tatum, and he basically checked all those boxes. With Jalen Brown, I feel like there has been more of a linear improvement with him than Jason Tatum, right? With Jason Tatum, we thought after two years ago he was going to emerge into the guy that he is now. It took some time. With Jalen Brown, it feels like every year he gets better in a certain area. His playmaking has been a little bit better this year. He's never going to be a great playmaker, but... What he clearly is is a great play finisher, and his shooting in the mid-range has improved significantly over the past year or so. He's shooting 45% from the mid-range, and what we saw tonight is there are going to be games when you need to, rather, do your damage in the mid-range, and he was able to do that tonight. But I do think one of the things going forward in this series that is going to be tough for us to sort of gauge and tough for us to deal with on a game-by-game basis is the whistle that Giannis gets, right? That's going to determine a lot of this series. What are they going to allow Giannis to do? Because that's why I felt like tonight was one of the most poorly officiated playoff game I've seen. And look, I understand the NBA. Everybody wants to get on the officials all the time. But my biggest issue with this tonight is they set a standard in the first half of the game, and then they changed it in the second half of the game. Quite frankly, that's just unacceptable. You can't say in the first half of the game, you're going to call these charges on Giannis. You're not going to allow him to get away with this stuff. And then in the second half of the game, you're going to allow him to get away with it, right? Like that play where they did not call a charge on Giannis when he just barreled into Grant Williams, who was outside of the restricted area, just completely knocked him over, knocked him back, and there was not a call. In the first half of the game, that's a foul. So that's my biggest issue with the officiating tonight. If you're going to let him play like that, okay, now I disagree with just letting a guy barrel into people, but if you're going to let the game be played really physically, that's okay with me as long as you keep that standard up for the entirety of the game. The issue I had with this is you didn't do that. In the second half of the game, you were letting Giannis do whatever he wanted to do when in the first half you were calling fouls. That, to me, is unacceptable, and that's something that needs to be cleaned up. And one of the issues I think we have this in in the NFL as well is now that the officials have this ability to just review everything, it's like lazy. It's like they miss the initial call on the court, and then they go to review it. And then the other thing I'd mention is this. How about the the block they call on Derek White on Giannis? It's clearly a charge. They go to review it, and they don't overturn it. They tell us that, oh, you know what? We don't have enough evidence to overturn. How do you not have enough evidence? It's right there. We have three angles of it. We can see clearly that Giannis just barrels into Derek White. Derek White doesn't even touch him. Giannis initiates all the contact. That's a player control foul right there that needs to be overturned to foul on Giannis, but they're not going to do it because Giannis is a star. Like, that's an absolute joke to me. 
So that's the big issue with the officiating. If you're going to call it one way, call it that way the entire game. Don't don't change in the middle of the game because that's too difficult to ask the players to adjust to. You're asking them to play totally differently than they were in the first half from the second half. That's a joke. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. My biggest two takeaways from this game, A, Grant Williams can defend Giannis. You needed another guy besides Al. Two, or I should say B because I said A, B, Jalen Brown was back to being Jalen Brown. Now, I do have an adjustment that this team could possibly make in Game 3. We'll get to it next here in EI. All right, welcome back in. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. As the Celtics even up their best-of-seven series with the Bucks after a big one tonight. 109-86. The Celtics with this one. They'll play Game 3 on Saturday. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 11 of 27 from the floor. One of four from three-point territory. He hit, he hit rather two shots outside of the paint in this game. And I do think a big thing in this game, too, was the fact that they were able to get Brooke Lopez in foul trouble. So Brooke Lopez in this game, who was really a disturbance for the Celtics in game one, where he prevented them from when they got in the lane, it was almost like the Celtics were awed by the size of Brooke Lopez, and they didn't realize how big the guy was when they tried to challenge him, right? It was really an adjustment that they needed to make going from game one to game two. But him being in foul trouble, right, for the majority of the second half there, allowed the Celtics to really take advantage because without Brooke Lopez in there, now Giannis, they like to use as that roamer, that help defender, but that takes away a lot of that shot blocking and shot deterring, if you will. So getting Brooke Lopez in foul trouble is a major development in this game. Now, I don't think that's going to happen a lot throughout the series because it's not like the Celtics are seeking out Brooke Lopez and they're going after Brooke Lopez, right? Because he's such a good shot blocker and he's really good at that verticality where he'll just go straight up so I don't think that's a trend that's going to continue but it was definitely a major development in this game I do feel like as it pertains to adjustments that Mike Budenholzer kind of stumbled into something in this game where they used it before they used it in the NBA finals last year with the Giannis at the five minutes those were really successful for that team offensively in terms of the Celtics really had trouble because what was happening is Giannis was just being used as a screener, and the Celtics are having to switch that. And the problem there is Giannis is going downhill, and he's playing four on three because the Celtics at points were trying to blitz the ball handler, try to force a turnover because they had no hope getting back to Giannis. And when they did get back to Giannis, they're already sort of trailing him, and Giannis is getting into the paint. And that's where Giannis, of course, does the bulk of his damage which the Celtics, obviously, when he gets in that restricted area, it is over. So you really got to prevent him from getting that head of steam, that running start. And that's why I feel like Grant Williams matched up so well with him tonight was the fact when you look at Grant, when Giannis, even if he gets that running start, Grant is big enough and he's sturdy enough to handle that blow, right? Like ordinarily, Giannis, when he runs into guys at the free throw line, he makes that initial contact. The defensive player is usually getting knocked back. Well, Grant Williams is not that type of guy. He's a fire hydrant, if you will, so you really can't knock him back. And it's not like he's overly tall. He's six foot six. but the biggest thing about Grant is he has that sturdiness like Al Horford has where those guys can stick and they can deal with the body blows that Giannis is going to present on a game-to-game basis. And that's why just getting that secondary guy that can match up with Giannis Antetokounmpo is just a major development for this team. The other thing I mentioned, too, just in terms of the Celtics, Derek White in this game played 28 minutes and he didn't score, okay? And it wasn't as if Derek White wasn't getting opportunities. The 
uh, Brooklyn Nets, the Milwaukee Bucks are going to give up shots to Derek White. And if you look at Derek White tonight, 0 of 2 on corner threes and 0 of 2 on above the break threes. And I'll look at the tracking data tomorrow to verify this. But by my memory, none of those were contested threes. So he was getting wide open three-point opportunities, and he was just missing them. And this is a problem going forward in this series. Because when Derek White is on the court, what we saw tonight was an adjustment from Mike Budenholzer. When Derek White is on the court, the Bucks are going to put Giannis on him. And what that does is that allows Giannis, who has been a defensive player of the year before, he is able to roam and he is able to muck things up for the Celtics offense because he's just all over the place as a help defender. The Celtics, if they're going to prevent that from happening, it comes down to Derek White actually hitting shots. And it does feel like Derek White, and, and maybe you disagree with me on this, but it feels like with Derek White, he tends to lose his confidence as the game goes on. If he misses one or two in a row, it looks like he is not confident at all shooting those. And that's sort of the opposite with Marcus Smart. <laughs> Look, Marcus Smart has never been a great shooter. He, of course, has had great shooting games. But with Marcus Smart, here's the thing. And sometimes this can hurt the Celtics. Not recently, but it's hurt the Celtics like going back to the Orlando bubble. Marcus Smart's never going to lose his confidence. He's going to feel like the next three is going to go in. And I feel like when you look at a guy like Derek White, you can tell after he doesn't hit that initial shot, you can tell he kind of sort of loses that confidence. So I think the one thing that Derek White could use is a little bit more of his floater game, where when Derek White gets into floater range, he's really good. He's over 50% on floaters as a member of the Celtics, and he's really good going back to his days in San Antonio as well. So if he can kind of get that mid-game going, that's going to be a big development. And the problem is, like, you can't really do anything when he doesn't have the ball because if he's a screener, they're just going to blitz Jason Tatum and then Derek White's going to have to make a play. They're going to give up a shot. So you can't really use him in a lot of screen action, whatever. He's just going to have to be able to hit shots. And he hasn't done that, really. He didn't do it at all in the Nets series, one of 11. Then he hit a couple last game against the Bucks, And then tonight, he got those same open opportunities tonight. And he wasn't able to hit those whatsoever. So that is something that clearly the Celtics are going to need going forward is they're going to need more production from Derek White in terms of if he's going to be out there, he's going to need to hit three-point shots. And that's a real question going forward with this team. Well, if Marcus Smart is healthy and he's able to go and play the majority of the minutes that he ordinarily would, well, how many minutes is Derek White going to get? Because Peyton Pritchard, we know, is going to come off the bench and hit shots. Peyton Pritchard tonight hit two of his four threes, finishes with six points. We saw it in the Nets series. We know that he's never going to be bashful. He's never going to be afraid to shoot. He has confidence in his shot. So if Marcus Smart is back, I wonder how many more minutes Peyton Pritchard gets and how many Derek White loses if he's not hitting those shots. I think Derek White is a valuable player because he can defend. We saw a little bit tonight he can distribute. I mean, you look at this tonight, he had five assists in this game. He got himself in foul trouble because he took a stupid take foul in the third quarter to give himself that fourth foul of the game, which was just inexcusable. You cannot do that, especially knowing that Marcus Smart is not in this game. They're going to need Derek White tonight. They were going to need Derek White. That was just a dumbass foul. But overall, that's a big thing to monitor going forward is whether or not Derek White hits shots. I felt like Robert Williams had a better game tonight. He ends up with 10-5-2. More as a help defender because they realize that they cannot use him on Giannis as a primary defender, but I felt he had a much bigger role in this game. They did get him for a couple of lobs, so that's something, of course, they can take advantage of, too. 
in the game coming up. When he's on the court, they got to just continually use him as a screener because when he's not screening, Brooke Lopez can just hang out in the paint. All right, thanks to Ethan and Joe for producing. I'll be back with you tomorrow night after the Sox and the Angels. Have a great night, everybody. Be safe and be well. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.